1: Psychiatrist and Alzheimer's researcher Dr. Kat Toops says dementia is not some mysterious disease that just happens. It happens for reasons. And when we identify those reasons and contributing factors, we can stop or even reverse it. She knows this not only as a doctor, but also from her very own personal battle with the disease. Parents are Hard to Raise is now available on Spotify and it's 180 million monthly subscribers.
0: Welcome to Parents are Hard to Raise, helping families grow older together without losing their minds. I'm elder care expert, Diane Berardi. What if one day you suddenly began to realize you were showing all the same symptoms as dementia and Alzheimer's patients? That's exactly what happened to my guest medical expert. Dr. Kat Toops is board certified in psychiatry, neurology, and geriatric psychiatry. She is also a distinguished fellow of the American Psychiatric Association, which is their highest honor. At age 50, having already conducted over 100 clinical trials in dementia and Alzheimer's disease, Dr. Toops began to realize that she herself was losing both her memory and her mind. What she did next allowed her to continue in her demanding medical work instead of living out the rest of her life in a nursing home. And now she's on a quest to spread the news of hope to the growing legion of dementia sufferers around the world. Dr. Kat Toops, Welcome to Parents are Hard to Raise.
2: Oh, Thank you so, so much. I'm so excited to be here and as you mentioned to to get this message out to people. I think it's uh, the saddest thing when patients go to the neurologist, especially at the academic centers and they get a workup for their memory loss and they're told you have Alzheimer's disease and we have some medications that might slow it down for a year but really it's going to keep going and so you should go home and get your affairs in order and that's just heartbreaking you know because there are so many things now that we actually can do and and so i really want really want people to know that dementia is not a death sentence and and there's things we can do about it
0: well that's incredible and yeah we need to know that because it's true i talk to clients you know or ch- children uh, uh their parents every day and There's so many people who have no hope and that's exactly what happens to them. They go to the doctor and they say, oh, it's just, you know, this is your diagnosis and it's just going to get worse. You, you have such an incredible story. Um, Could you tell us, you know, what happened to you?
2: Yes, I'll be happy to do that. Um, So, as you mentioned, I I was running a clinical trials research center. Um, Of those hundred plus trials, about twenty of them were in Alzheimer's and mild cognitive impairment. So, I I did research with a lot of different areas of psychiatry, but I started to realize that I was as cognitively impaired as my patients in my Mm -hmm. Alzheimer trials, and I would I would test them and I would give them three words to remember in the Mini Mental Status Exam, and I couldn't remember the words to ask them the answer, oh so gosh. I would I would I would write it down because I had two sets of three words that I would alternate, and then I couldn't remember which set I had used, and I had used those words for more than 20 years, so mm-hmm. that was maybe my my biggest clue, yeah. um, and uh, it it. Um, I, I got to where I couldn't drive a car safely. I I could no longer back up or parallel park in the car. I just couldn't sequence those activities. And one day my husband got in the car with me and he said, Carol, what's wrong with you? You're driving like a little old lady. (laughs) And I said, I I don't know. So many things are happening when you're driving. And I just, I I couldn't, my processing speed was so impaired that I I was having a hard time driving. And then I, I forgot how to use the computer. I would forget how to do things that I knew how to do and I would ask that same husband Dorian (laughs) can you show me how to do this and he would get annoyed with me because he said well I just showed you that right and I I didn't Remember, and it got worse than that. I, I, I developed auditory processing problems, so I couldn't decode what was being said when there was any background noise. And I kept going to the ENT and saying, I need hearing aids. Yeah. And they said, No, you just have a mild hearing loss. It's no big deal. And then finally, one day, the doctor looked at me funny and he goes, You know, this isn't in your ear, it's in your brain. Oh, my and <laughs> so they, they did testing, and yeah. I had developed auditory processing problems. and and I have such great empathy for children that are born with auditory processing problems because normally people are born with that, and they were you know they couldn't believe I had acquired that and, yeah. and interestingly, now I have resolved that problem but um it was it was quite a quite a path and what had happened was I developed multiple chemical sensitivity, so I had become allergic to everything, and I was <laughs> covered with rashes, covered with hives, I couldn't get out of a chair for a year because of severe fatigue and all of that inflammation in my body was just eating up my brain. So the the you know the secret to figuring yeah. out what was happening in my brain of course started with what was happening in my body and my immune system.
0: Now did you 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 went to your regular doctor, you know, what happened? How did you uh you know come to Figure all this out and and yeah. on the on the path to healing.
2: <laughs> right now, that's a great question. Well, of course, as a physician, I kind of knew the limitations of what um, traditional medicine had to offer me, and I knew they would put me on steroids for my immune system and and I I never felt like just suppressing the immune system was the answer right the immune system is is acting out because there's a problem right so um, I, I did cover bases and I went to the rheumatologist and I went to the immunologist and you know the endocrinologist but uh you know I remember quite well the UCSF uh endocrinologist he said well you clearly have autoimmune disease and it's just not in the textbooks yet um, so, so what, what happened was I finally I went to a conference called food as medicine and that conference changed my life it changed my wow. my worldview it changed my life personally it changed my life professionally and and in this conference at food as medicine they kept talking about functional medicine and so I googled that and they talked about the institute for functional medicine and the next module coming up was immune and allergy and I thought oh goodness I better go to that so I that's how I came to the table of starting to learn about functional medicine and luckily I had enough brain cells left because I did have a sieve for a brain at the time (laughs) Thank but I you know persevered and started learning and working through all the layers of, of functional medicine so Functional medicine um, is is basically it's it's a root cause medicine. It wants to instead of wanting to know what is your diagnosis, right. We don't really care about the name of the diagnosis. We really want to know why. Why do you have these problems? Right. So we want to get at the root causes and what are the driving factors. And then if we can identify those just like with dementia with any kind of chronic disease, um, if we can figure out the factors and get those all in balance, then the body the body is designed to heal if right. we can get out of its way
0: right, okay so what causes dementia mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm. so you know um, dementia heretofore has been considered a mysterious disease. we know there are some genetic factors, but we know that many, many people get um, dementia without the the classic alzheimer genes and i do not have the genes for alzheimer's um, but clearly i was quite demented in retrospect i just couldn't even figure that out at the time um but um it's a multifactorial disease so um it it just happens for all kinds of reasons and even if you do have the genetic risk those genes have to be turned on to express themselves so many people have genes for alzheimer's and never get alzheimer's and and i would like to say a little bit about that I I don't want people to worry when they have the genetic risk for Alzheimer's, Um, you know, because some people it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy, I think, when we, you know, believe we're going to get sick or sick and we think we're going to die. And so, you know, even if people have the genetic risk. It's the, the diet and the lifestyle and the environmental factors that are turning those genes on and off. So we can modify those factors by our choices and and what we do. Um, so really, I think of dementia as it's a, a multi-system illness. So it... it it happens from toxins. It happens from infections. It happens from inflammation. It happens from lack of hormones, particularly nutrients. The diet. We've known forever that B12 deficiency can cause uh, an irreversible dementia. We know that vitamin D deficiency can cause dementia. Those are easy things to you know test right, for right. And, and fix. Um, so it's it's multiple factors. We've also known for you know decades that vascular issues are a problem. So if people have very high lipids or their blood sugar is poorly regulated um, those are causes for um, damage to the blood vessels that will eventually damage the brain and
0: those we're we're going to continue with dr cat yeah. tubes but i just want to tell you something if you're a woman or there's a woman in your life i'm going to tell you about something you absolutely need to know I want to tell you about my friend Katie. Katie is a nurse, and she was attacked on her way home from work. She was totally taken by surprise, and although Katie is only five feet tall and 106 pounds, she was easily able to drop her six-foot-four, 250-pound attacker to his knees and get away unharmed. Katie wasn't just lucky that day. She was prepared. In her pocketbook, a harmless-looking lipstick, which really contained a powerful man-stopping aerosol propellant.
2: You ever young?
1: You're listening to Parents Are Hard To Raise. Now, thanks to you, the number one elder care talk show on planet Earth. Listen to this and other episodes on demand using the iHeartRadio app. iPhone users can listen on Apple Podcasts and Android users on Google Podcasts.
0: And I have some shout-outs. Susan from Hill City, Kansas who, by the way, has a 92-year-old dad who still works the family farm every day. She showed her coworker Nancy how to listen on her smartphone using the iHeartRadio app. And Kumiko from the city of Atami in Japan who listens on Spotify. She showed her mom how to listen on her smartphone. And Kumiko also helps care for her grandparents. And finally, Frank a smart aleck from the city of Belleville in Cape Town, South Africa, who spelled his name phonetically, so I'd be sure not to mess it up, showed one of his colleagues at Tigerberg Hospital how to listen using the tune-in radio app, and wrote, We love the show and never miss an episode. Thank you, Dr. Smart Aleck. That was... I, Doctor Toops, I mess up people's names. I don't know what, I don't know what happens. I get so excited, I mispronounce them.
2: <laughs> so, that was cute.
0: <laughs> it was. So we're here talking to Dr. Kat Toops and we were talking about um what causes dementia and you were saying it's um not just one thing, it's rarely due to rarely due to just one thing. And we were talking exactly. right? Okay, so we exactly could <laughs>
2: and so and so that is actually how we approach from a functional medicine approach for reversing dementia is that we become for me as the clinician the physician i become the detective okay and i want to i want to search out and look at all of the factors because if i find a couple of factors that are affecting your brain but i miss one well then the brain is going to continue to degenerate so one of the things that we do is we test all kinds of things to to figure figure this out. But, um, you know, I was saying that we've known for a long time that diabetes is a risk factor, that you know, high lipids are a risk factor. And now we know how to, to treat those factors as well with functional and nutritional approaches. But I'd like to highlight a couple of things that I think a lot of people don't know about yes. with causes of dementia and that they're missing. So I think there's a lot of um, excellent books that are, are coming out and people talk about, you know, that you need to get on a clean diet, you need to, um, you need, to exercise you need to do you know brain training meditation you need to sleep those are all where you start those are all essentially important but what I'm finding in my testing that that is coming up with people the big things that I think we're missing are infec- infections okay. toxins and lack of hormones wow. and okay. so maybe maybe I'll start with with the hormones okay. um so, so um, we have receptors in our brain for estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, pregnenolone, all these hormone receptors that we think of you know, associated with our sexual function and our reproductive function, well, they, they also are affecting our brain. And interestingly, something that I just learned recently in researching um, for a book that I'm working on is that our brain actually makes estrogen and progesterone. Really? So it's not just made in, in the gonads. And both men and women make these hormones. And so the estrogen is made in the hippocampus, which is our memory center. And the progesterone turns out it it helps to make the myelin sheaths. And those are the covering over our nerves that help conduct the impulses of the nerves. So... So the hormones are trophic for the brain, meaning they give life. They're life-giving and life-sustaining for the brain. And what happens then is when we lose our hormones, the brain starts degenerating. And there is there are scores of research on that. It's pretty well documented. Um, Stanford did a study about four years ago, um, and they took women that had been on hormone replacement and that Mm -hmm. were at high risk for dementia, and they randomized them either to stay on their hormones or stop them, and they followed them for two years. And at the end of the two years, 100% of the women who stopped their hormones had obvious wow. degeneration in their brain. So it's, um you know, so, you know, we weren't meant to live, I mean, for most of evolution, you know, we didn't live much past menopause or right. andropause in men, right? And so we've had this rapid increase in our lifespan. And, you know, we need to have those hormones for our for our brain to function. And so sometimes when we have people with cognitive impairment and we start them back on hormones, we can see a rapid improvement in their brain function. And we don't see that in everyone, but right. we definitely see it. So that's one factor that's worth exploring. Yes. And with, with the newer bioidentical hormones, there's actually even data coming out that even if you've had breast cancer, that, um, that replacing these hormones with bioidentical hormones um, might lower your risk of recurrence so they' you know it's becoming safer with some of our new methods with with the hormones to do that so I think that's one thing that people are missing and then um, the uh, the um, the infections okay. this is a big area and i think uh i think npr just came out with a, a story on this recently and it's starting to creep into um some of the press but um infections are a huge factor for the brain and and uh, one in particular that we're finding more and more is lyme disease and lyme disease has a predilection either for the joints or the brain tissue and i, I have you know I'm a single practitioner i don't have a giant practice and I have right now four patients with dementia that have active Lyme disease really wow yes so that you know that's something that really has to get on people's radar it's been neglected for so long and um, and there you know there's People that are studying, um, you know, the brains of people that have died with dementia and they're finding a lot of Lyme disease in there. So that's that's one factor. And there's a lot of other viruses. So um, uh, some other good data has come out. We've known for a long time that herpes simplex one occurs at much higher uh, rates in the brains of people that have died with Alzheimer's. And about 85 percent of us have had herpes simplex one, which is the cold sores, you know, in childhood. It's a very common virus, mm-hmm. um, Ep- Epstein-Barr virus, which is mononucleosis or chronic fatigue, also another very common childhood virus. These viruses, they, they continue to live in our bodies, but our immune systems keep them in check. But if we have anything that's disrupting our immune function, and unfortunately aging itself is a, is a risk for that, um, then sometimes the viruses can wake up. Um so you know, looking wow. for these viruses and yeah. these infections becomes becomes a, a- a really important factor in trying to reverse things, and and I should mention that with Lyme disease, Lyme disease is a spirochete, and that is the same kind of organism that syphilis is. And okay. so syphilis, we we've also known about for more than a century that you know when um, somebody gets an infection with syphilis, it might manifest originally as an as an STD or a sexually transmitted disease, but then ten twenty years later. People will go crazy, and it's because that spirochete, um, you know, was affecting their brain. So Lyme does the same thing for some people as syphilis does. Wow. <laughs> yeah.
0: That's amazing. I mean, that's yeah, because I I, I had been reading something about that Lyme disease. You know, it, it's incredible this information, but it, it it's wonderful that you know you're you're getting this out because people don't know.
2: Well and and the exciting thing is these these are treatable. Okay? It's not fun to have Lyme disease. Right. And, you know, I mean there's there's Lyme disease in little letters and there's Lyme disease in capital letters. And some people get extremely sick and, you know, how they have to, lay, you know, lay down on my exam table for our interview cuz they can't sit up and, you know, yeah. they're dizzy and, you know, but a lot of people don't have have that stronger reaction but they but it can be affecting their brain and we do have ways to treat it and the, the story of how to treat it is still being written it's it's an art not a science because not enough research has been done in this area but um but it definitely is something that can be treated so once we can identify all these factors you know we get treatment targets and and then the other factor to consider is the toxins so you know we all know our world is getting more right. and more toxic and so many of these chemical toxins cause neurodegeneration and and we can test for them it's an easy first morning urine test and then i have a test where you know it looks like I get a bunch of pages of you know the levels of all kinds of different chemicals and I had one patient that um, I was treating um, for dementia and she was already pretty far along when she first came to me and she was already in memory care and um, but still we said well let's see what we can do and you know we we got a lot of things in balance and you know she went from being agitated and anxious to calm and happy and Uh interestingly in four years she did not she has not progressed at all. but what, what So she had some cardiovascular risk factors, and she had some lack of hormone risk factors, but I didn't think it fully accounted for how demented she was. Right. And then this new test came out a couple years ago where I was able to test these chemical toxins. And in, in, in this test, if you have one chemical in the red zone, that's considered very significant. Well, this lady had nine chemicals in the oh red zone. Oh, my God. <laughs> I know I know and 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 then you think well how did she get all oh, those yeah. chemicals what did she do right? right was she a farm worker or did she live next to an agricultural area yeah. no this this lady was a school teacher really? and her daughter told me my parents were always into health we always ate well we didn't use toxic chemicals in our home so she just genetically was a poor detoxifier and managed to accumulate these high levels of all of these chemicals wow and and we, and we can we can get rid of the chemicals. So one of the best ways, and this is an interesting, this is something that your listeners could do in their lives because we all have toxins. We know that babies now are born with more than two hundred chemicals in their blood that they've gotten from the mother, wow. you know, during during mm-hmm. the pregnancy, right? <laughs> so, but we we know that basically that sweating takes those chemicals out of our body something that you know we've known in our ancient wisdom for centuries as well right yeah. there's many traditions that you know use sweat lodges and sweating and different kinds of rituals with that but um, there's very nice data that shows if you're doing uh, regular saunas or sweating sweating of any kind will mobilize the toxins but one thing that's important is say if you're doing a sauna you need to be wiping the sweat off as you're sweating so that you don't reabsorb it back uh-huh. into your body okay. and then you need to go and jump in the shower right afterwards and, you know wash it wash it off of your skin but there there was a, a study that just came out this past year out of finland and in finland it seems like it's part of the cultural tradition to do saunas every day and so huh. they yeah so they studied elderly men and and their rate of sauna and they found out that the men who did sauna every day had a very low risk of alzheimer's really what <laughs> and and then they compared them to men who did it three times a week and it got higher and then they compared them to people who weren't doing it and it was higher still so this is a, a you know something that we should all be thinking about incorporating yeah. oh to try to try to keep up with the burden that we're getting right now you know with all the environmental toxins
0: Yeah, my gosh! I remember a friend of mine always saying, you know, she she would say me, you gotta exercise, you gotta exercise, you gotta sweat, you gotta get the, and she would say, you gotta get the junk out, you know. So she right, right.
2: She was right. (laughs) Exactly, I know, and I don't like to sweat, but now I have a different. I feel better about it, you know, when it's happening. Yeah. Um, (laughs) So the exercise is another really easy thing to you know mention for all of the listeners here. So the best validated stuff that we have to change our brain and to help our brains make new connections are exercise and meditation or mindfulness. And both of those can increase something called BDNF, and that stands for brain-derived neurotrophic factor. And so this is a factor that helps our brain make new synaptic connections with the neurons. So we can sprout new connections just by exercising. And if you exercise hard just for four minutes, you'll raise your BDNF up and start making new connections.
0: Wow, just four minutes?
2: If you get, yeah i mean that'll start the process right, it but starts of course it, but yeah right but you know more is better of course the right. more you exercise you know and so i mean that that is something with all of my patients with dementia we try to you know Um, you know, get these factors in where, you know, people should be striving to exercise every day. And then if you miss, life is going to come and cause you to miss a day or two out of the week, right? But, you know, if your goal is three times a week and then, oh, I couldn't do it yesterday, then you're down to two times a week. Well, that's not enough. (laughs) So, you know, I, (laughs) I mean, I think people need to have on their daily plan like what am I going to do today to move to exercise to sweat and and that really is protective for the brain
0: that's unbelievable I know I I mean the things you're you know we we want to talk to you um, I, I wanted you to tell about your book you know your and your website your facebook page so that people um can you know find out more about you and about what you're doing and we're going to have to have you back
2: (laughs) (laughs) there's so much to say on this topic yeah so yes thank you i'm working on a book called dementia demystified and i'm i'm trying to make it a how-to manual of, of how do i work this up what are all the factors You know, what are, what exactly are the labs that need to be ordered so people can take that to their physician and, and, you know just I'm trying to make it a how-to practical manual so um, it's taking longer than I thought but um, but you can find updates about it um, on my website or my Facebook page so if you just put in dementia demystified that will take you to my website and I'll you know post updates there and then I also have a Facebook page and it is called let's see what is it called it's called cat tubes md dash functional medicine psychiatry and dementia but if you just try searching my name you'll probably probably find it there and i try to post um interesting articles and data and things that are uplifting so i try to avoid the doom and gloom but what can we do about it because that's really the message dementia is not a death sentence and there there are things that we can do to get the brain back and and um and that's the biggest message, I guess, to well,
0: say. That's <laughs> wonderful. I mean, that's the message we want to hear that, that, something good, something good. <laughs> so, yeah, t- exactly. And we're going to have you back, Dr. Toops. Thank you so much.
2: Oh, my my pleasure, and I would be happy to come back. There's so many things more we could talk about. There's so many, the role of the diet on the brain, and a lot lot of fun things.
0: That's (laughs) perfect. I hope you got something out of this episode. I know I did. I love getting your emails and questions, so please keep sending them. You can reach me at org or just click the green button on our homepage. And remember, there's so many new ways to listen to our show, Spotify, Roku. You can listen on your smartphone with Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts. You can get us on Apple TV, DirecTV, and you can even just ask Alexa to play the show for you. And if you're listening to the show in one of these new ways, please do me a favor and show someone um, how how to learn this new technology. Thank you so much. Parents are Hard to Raise is a CounterThink Media production. The music used in this broadcast was managed by Cosmo Music, New York, New York. Our New York producer is Joshua Green. Our broadcast engineer is Will Gambino. And from our London studios, the melodic voice of our announcer, Miss Dolly D. Thank you so much for listening. Till next time, may you forget everything you don't want to remember. And remember everything you don't want to forget. See you again next week.